Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, the book of Titus. The book of Titus chapter 3 going to be in there again uh, this morning. Now, last week we talked about how the, uh, the gifts of uh, grace. Cassie, if you would, just kind of grab that little uh, slider and just pull it down just a little bit. Just turn the volume down. Thank you. Uh, we talked last week about the gifts, of, uh, the gifts of grace and about how great it was that God came down and he gave us his grace and all the benefits that we have through that. It was a great thing that we learned about God's salvation and how it brought salvation in our life and how it brought hope and how it brought uh, redemption and how it brought purity. But now as we come into chapter 3, Paul's wanting us to take that grace and he's wanting us to do something with it. Once we have it in our hearts and once we have it in our lives, then God is going to ask us to do something. And so this morning, what I want to ask you this morning is that, are you ready? You know, when we think about our hearts and lives, we ask the question about, are you ready? And when you come up in the church and there's a big, uh, big, uh, uh, a big PowerPoint there on the back, and it says, are you ready? Everybody's going to sit back and they're thinking, oh man, we're about to have a two-hour hellfire brimstone about talking about how you need to get ready to go to heaven. But that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. What we want to talk about is being ready. And a lot of us like to talk about being ready for heaven. And a lot of us here, I know everybody here, we're ready to go to heaven. We're ready to see Jesus. But we are still here. And Christ has it for us in our life to still be here. Because if Christ didn't want us to still be here, we would not be here. But he still has us here. And he still has us here for a purpose. And the purpose is to do his work. And so what Paul wants to ask us this morning, are you ready to take that grace that God has given you and put it to work in this world? So let's read in Titus chapter 3. We're going to begin with verse number 1. It says, Remind them to be submissive to their rulers and authorities and to be obedient and to be ready for every good work to speak evil to no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy and hatred by others and hatred of one another. But when goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. And he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, as, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. He starts out chapter one, uh, starts out in uh, chapter three, 
And he's reminding the people to be obedient to their rulers and the authorities, to watch what they say around people, to be courteous and kind. And it draws on the the message that he has had for them in uh, verses 1. And in the first couple of verses of chapter 2, when he talks about us being examples, And in chapter 2, he talked about, as we talked last week, about how he was commanding them to be examples to one another, that the old men should live their lives in a way that they would set the example for younger men, and that the women would live their, the older women would live their lives in such a way that they would be an example for the younger women there in the church, and how the young men should begin to mold their lives in such a way that they would begin to set an example for those who are around us, uh, around them, their, their peers. And the young ladies as well should begin to live their life in such a way that they would set an example for their peers around them. And so now what Paul wants to do is he wants to take this call for us to be an example out of the church, out on how we influence one another here in the body of Christ. But he wants us to take our example and show it to the world. We need to be an example of Jesus Christ wherever we go. But some of us need to realize that the example that we set for other people about Jesus Christ can sometimes be more of a hindrance to the gospel than it is a promotion of the gospel. We can spend our so much time, so much time in rebelling and complaining that it says, man, these people are no different than us, then they're actually worse than us with all their complaining and all of their griping. We can be a hindrance to the gospel by the way that we talk to each other. We can be a hindrance to the gospel in the way that we run our mouth. We can be a hindrance in the gospel in the way that we talk on our social media, in the way that we talk at work, in the way that we talk at restaurants, in the way that we do things. We can be a hindrance to the gospel, but what he wants us to do is he wants us to be an example of Jesus Christ. I want you to be an example because I want you to understand why you are still here upon this earth. You are here to do good works. So I want to ask you this morning, just as Paul asked you, are you prepared for every good work in your life? Are you prepared to be an example Are you prepared to show people how to come to Jesus Christ? Or do you spend your days griping and complaining and hating and being rude and being mean and being coarse and drawing people away? Or are you living your life in such a way that it says, man, this person is different. This person is different. I want to be like him. I want what you have. You know, there's a difference between people coming up and saying, man, I want you what you have, and people coming up to you and saying, hey, man, what are you smoking? But what Jesus wants us to do, he wants us to be ready for the good works. He wants to live our lives in a way that draws lost people to Christ. 
But too many times that we have, when we think about those who are lost around them, we want to condemn them. We want to judge them. We want to talk bad about them. You know, we want to gossip about them. And we really get to a point sometimes as Christians, when you've been in church long enough, and when you get to a point where you think that you're good enough, man, you forget what it was like. You forget about what your life was like. And you show not empathy, not sympathy, not compassion for the lost like Jesus did, but you show contempt and you show judgmentalism to them. And Paul says, I want you to act your way to be an example to them. Even when they're rude to you, even when they're mean to you, and even when they talk bad about you, you should still be courteous. You should still be kind. You should still be showing the heart of Jesus to them. Why? Well, he tells us why. He says, I want you to remember. He says, I want you to remember. Look at verse number three. It says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I hope for us as believers that describes how we used to be. But for too many in our lives, that still describes how we are now. But he wants us as believers to remember how we used to be, how we used to be lost, how we used to just chase after passions, how we lived a worthless life. Man, we thought we had everything made. We thought we had everything taken care of, but we were lost. The way that we used to talk, the places that we used to go, the way that we used to treat other people. He said, I want you to remember that you used to be just like that. But then, but then something changed. He says this, In um, verse number four, it says, But when the goodness of loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of work done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you know what, remember remember how you used to act? Remember how you used to treat people? Remember how you used to follow out the passions of, uh, of your heart's desire? Remember those things that you used to do? You know what changed you? You know what you brought, brought you around? Was it God sending down lightning bolts? Was it God rebuking you? Was it Christ saying, hey, if you don't get your act right, you're going to go to hell? But no, it was none of that. It wasn't the rebuking. It wasn't the judgment. Our life changed when God, for no reason at all, showed us love. He showed us His love. When we were unlovable, He showed love. He had mercy on us. He says, man, I saw, I see you, Larry. I see you, little way you're living, man. You're just going down a dark alley. You know, you're just going down a dead end road. But I want to show you love. 
And so it was God's love that turned our life around. And so Paul wants to carry us that further. If it wasn't judgment, if it wasn't hell, fire, and brimstone, if it wasn't the threat of punishment, if it wasn't the threat of hell that changed us, what was it that changed us? It was God's love. So why should we think that our judgment and our talking about about and our condemnation is going to change other people and bring them to Christ. What's going to bring them to Christ is if we, for no reason whatsoever, other than the fact that God loved us first, that we would love them. And so when we are about doing our work on this earth, we seek to show, we seek to show unconditional, unmerited love to those people around us. Is that way that we treat others? Is that the way that we treat people that we encounter in our daily lives? Do we show courtesy? Do we show love? Do we show kindness? Well, we say, no, you know what they said to me? Well, you know what they said to Jesus? But he still loved us. You know how we treated Jesus? But he still loved us. We should seek in our life to remember that it was God's love that turned us around. And so we see what it took to turn our lives around. First of all, it was God's love. And then there was uh, other parts of the work. After he showed us love and and kindness, he goes on in verse 5. It says, He saved us not because of work done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. He saved us, he changed us, and he... And by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You know, it wasn't, we got to a point where we say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to do things differently. Oh, no. It took an act of God to change the way that you live. He saved us and he sent the Holy Spirit to wash us and regenerate us. That means it took a whole work of God to change your life. He had to wash you. He had to cleanse you. And he had to regenerate you. He had to take all of that old stuff out and turn you in to something new. So those people, just like you, just like it took a regenerating work to change the way that you live, it's going to take a regenerating work to change other people's lives. And so regardless of how much we yell at them and regardless of how much we condemn them and regardless of how much we judge them, that's not going to make them change. The only thing that's going to make them change is if God does the same work inside of, you, inside of them that he did inside of you. So we bring them to Jesus. We introduce them to Jesus. And we let them know that there is somebody who loves them and somebody that can change their life. We can't reform ourselves. We can't just say, you know what, I'm going to do better. But it takes a renewing of our hearts and our lives. A work that only God can do. 
And he said, I want you to remember, when you see all these other people around you who are lost, and you say, man, what's wrong with these people? He said, Paul says, I want you to remember all the work that it took to change you and your life. It took a lot. It took a lot to change us. It took a work of God to turn us into the people that God wants us to be. So when we see the lost, we treat them kindly and we show them love because we know the only way that they will change, the only way that they can have newness of life if they experience God's love the way that we experienced it in our hearts. And so that we should work to set an example to in some way, the people that we encounter, to show them God's love. He goes on to say, it says, who he poured out on us so richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God's blessings poured out upon our life. So remember, Everything that we have has come from Jesus Christ. He has made us new people. And so with that thought in mind, now that we have resolved to set an example for the world around us, not judging them, not condemning them, but remembering who we are and what it took to bring us in and what Christ has done for us, he makes this conclusion in verse number 7. He says, so that being justified by grace, we might become heirs of hope. And in verse number eight, it says, and this saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and these things are profitable for people. He says, I want you to devote yourself to good works. Since God did all that for you, and since that's the only way that the world is going to change, I want you to devote yourself to good works. Now notice he don't tell us what those good works are. What are these good works that Jesus wants us to do? What are these good works that we need to devote our lives to? He doesn't list them. He doesn't say, well, these are the good works that you need to be doing. And the reason why he doesn't tell us is because we already know. Because we don't have to go out looking for good works because those opportunities for good works will find us. They're found in our family members who don't know Jesus. You need to do a good work. You need to show them Jesus. That good work is to be found at your place of employment where there's all the negative talk, where there's all the backbiting, where there's all the hopelessness, where there's all the losslessness, you are there to do the good work. You are there to show Jesus to them. You'll find a good work when you go to the store, when you encounter the people there at the checkout line, when you count the people there in the aisles, 
when you account those people who run you over with those, uh, you know, shop-from-home carts they got now? There is an opportunity to do the good work because the atmosphere there, the tone there is vile and it's hopeless. You are there to do a good work. The good works find us. And so he said, I want you to devote yourself to doing the good work and the good work is showing God's grace, the grace that God showed you to other people. When you see those people who are lost and when you see those people who are living in lifestyles that are are harmful, you know that the only way that they can change is through Jesus. And so you point them to Jesus and that is the good work. And it says that if you devote your life to those things, those things are profitable for people. And so that's what we should be about. But too many times, we as Christians, we as the body of Christ, waste our lives and waste our energy and waste our time with other people, with other things. And Paul talks about that in verse number nine. It says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, uh, dissensions, and quarrelings about the law, for they are unprofitable and are Worthless. We spend our time and we waste our time talking and arguing about things that don't really matter instead of doing the one thing that is of most importance and that is out doing the good work of bringing other people to Christ and making his name known throughout the whole world. What are we busy with? What are we busy with in our lives? Are we busy living like the world? Are we busy arguing and fighting amongst one another? Are we busy just living the way the same way the world does? Or are we busy devoting ourselves to the work of God? Do we look out the world and say, man, these people are lost. These people are confused. They are like, as Jesus saw them, they look like sheep without a shepherd. And I know the only thing that could help these people out won't be a long sermon from me. It won't be our words of condemnation. It won't be the words of judgment. But it will come from us remembering of what Jesus Christ did for us. We used to live just like that. But Christ decided to show us love. And to not only show us love, but to save us and to regenerate us, and to make us heirs with him into the kingdom of God. Jesus is what helped me. Jesus is what saved me. Jesus is what changed my life. Jesus is what gave me hope. Jesus is what gave me peace. So the only way that they're going to experience any of that is if I bring them to Jesus. And let him do for them the same thing that he did for me and the same thing that he did for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to go out and do the good works that God has called you to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came 
and showed us unmerited love. Lord, that you had mercy on us as sinners. Lord, that you saw that we were lost and unable to help ourselves. And so you came and you showed us love. Love unmerited and love undeserved. And you saved us. And you changed our hearts and you changed our minds. And you made us into new creations. But you've also, you've also called us to do your work. And so Lord, I pray this morning that we'll commit our hearts and commit our lives to being examples and ambassadors for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand.